Round one, go. Well, they're off. It's Doug and Marty versus the world. This is Doug Bassler. And Marty McClendon. Are we staying home and staying healthy or are we just staying home? What are we doing? Huh? I don't know about healthy. You should see the food I'm eating. It's ridiculous. You know, we've got eaten more um, home-cooked meals than we have probably in our entire life, or our whole marriage anyway, with our kids while they're home. It's been great. After, and after two weeks, I have almost all my children's names memorized. Almost? Really? All right. Almost. They haven't changed. Oh, you know. There was the second youngest. I'm, I can't remember. If, yeah, I somewhere in there, right? No, I'm kidding. She shows up to eat and that kind of stuff, right? It's the first so time I've I, seen my family in years. I know for all our listeners out there, too, there, there was a story I saw this week. I want to talk to you about this. It wasn't this didn't happen to you, did it? It's that there, apparently there was this um, police chief back in Illinois, a small town, like 26,000 people. So small. Mm -hmm. And so um, they're cracking down on people, not social distancing. Right. They had yes, the rules as and there's fines like and so doing forth. In Bellevue, just like and there's Bellevue. a big, yeah, there's a big party at this bar in this tavern. So they went to crack down and arrest the people that were, you know, um, getting too close. And his wife was there. So can you imagine that conversation that night? It's like, wife? what do you, yeah, the chief's wife was in the bar. Did he use um, the special handcuffs? He must have. I don't know. I so, just think so. I, I know I'm, I'm, it's funny, it's lighthearted, but you kind of think about it. People are getting stir crazy a bit, right? No comment. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we saw, and we have a special guest. Hey, as you it's see, ten o'clock, and it's ten o'clock. Do you know where your wife is? <laughs> I don't know. I'm working. He's working, right? There's like there's a disruption downtown a at the bar. Let's go get him, right? We got a five oh two at the three seven one. I'd, I'd rather that's. Where did you hear that story? That's crazy. It's it's actually online. I think it's pretty hilarious. But it's, it's a national story. I think it was on a a, a liberal leaning site. But anyway. Well, whatever. I, you, what are you doing on a liberal leaning site? Oh my god! Happened to pop up on Facebook, as we all know. And that's the end of our relationship. I can't even talk to you. I'm kidding. So, um, I heard another internet rumor. Yes. That uh, some people are going door to door, handing out masks, saying, "Hey, these are free government supplied masks." They go to door to door and they'd say, will you please try it on? And then you try it on. It's chloroform. Then you get knocked out and then they come in and steal your stuff. So if someone comes out handing free masks out, brother, that, that's terrible, man. So like chloroform, uh, don't don't do it. We, anyway, we want to talk about the well, good things. Are answered, happening. Yeah. I'm just thinking they answered the door. They knocked me out. My son kills them. So, it's, you know, it's easy. It's like, why'd you kill my dad? Boom. You know, not good. He's not dead. It's chloroform. We're so just how about free toilet it. paper? If they brought free toilet paper to your door, <laughs> would that be late for something? I, I don't know. I'm just saying. Whoa. <laughs> Hold on now. Racy for a Christian <laughs> network. That's all I got to say. <laughs> anyway, so, we have a, if you're, if you're watching by live stream. So uh, if you're, if you're listening to this program on Saturday morning, this is a recording we're doing live on Facebook on April 7th. Mm -hmm. And it's seven o'clock on April 7th in the evening. And we have somebody from the seventh district. So it's like triple seven. If you're in Vegas right now, the, the bells would be ringing. Money would be pouring out of the machine. And all because Jacqueline Maycumber from the seventh district is with us. And she yeah. actually holds a very important position with the Republican Party, which is Marty. She's a floor leader. She's the floor leader, which means so she's got a leadership position chance down on the dance floor. 
She gets to lead and is the first to get arrested by actually you were you didn't Jackie welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having Sorry me. About that. <laughs> we ran and rave here, but uh, your background as a police officer as well. Can you imagine a situation in a small town where someone's spouse would happen to be the one you had to arrest? Is there some kind of like professional courtesy you don't arrest them? Or uh, I, I worked at a big department. Um, there, I, I've seen some horror stories, but uh, I, I don't know if I'd, I'd put it in the news. You know, I don't know if that would, right. uh, you know, you tell the local reporter. So the, the police blotter goes there and so forth. Yep. <laughs> now uh, you guys had a, uh, you have been battling. And of course I know you have a lot to talk about what you did in session. I know that the recent news, the Inslee uh, and Greikdahl extended the schools out. So no, our school kids don't have school the rest of the year, which we want to talk about that as well. And there was the stay home, stay order, all this stuff it is amazing. But I want to start off with a little bit more of a, a risque not, not a thing. You guys battled. I want to thank you and all the Republicans in the, in the House and the Senate that really went to bat until the wee hours of the morning trying to defeat this comprehensive sex education bill. I, I know you weren't successful, but you guys really battled. And so talk about that, that whole environment and, and knowing that you're in the minority, but you had to fight. I mean, when a bill comes to the floor, they have the votes. We have a no surprise law um, with win the books. And so it comes to the floor. So what you're trying to do is you're really trying to make sure that your constituents are aware of what's occurring and why it's wrong. And so it was really important that we had our voices that everybody in the caucus got to explain what this would do, how would it affect how it would affect children and what's hidden in the law. Sometimes you get those big policies and you really need to dissect them out and get those amendments that show, hey, this would not work. But, you know, this is something better. So it was extreme uh, policy when you talk about how you want to educate children and doing it across the board. So uh, from Seattle to the east side, kindergarten to 12th grade. It's a complete restructure of your education system when you talk about sex and um, health of children. And so it, it was upsetting. And that's something pretty big to do. Um, and that's something that you really want parent involvement with. And that's that's not what what was done. So it's a shocking change in the evolution of how you teach children without parent involvement it is a battle. It is a battle. And uh, to have people on a dime show up, I mean, we had 600 and something people just show up and testify on a dime saying this is not going to work. So um, really having that battle was one of the reasons we're there. We're there to give those parents a voice and really uh, make sure those children have time to be children. Now, once again, thank you on that. I know there's a referendum now to repeal that. There's coming out soon, referendum 90, supposed to have 129,000 signatures, 811 in the next 90 days. So uh, we'll be involved in that. I know Doug and I will be um, just trying to get that back up and say, no, we don't want this. Uh, and yet it really brought to light, you tie this into the stay home order. And now the kids that were literally out since March uh, and my daughter's a senior and I have another one that's a junior and they're going, what's going on, right? So in the midst of staying home and having no school, they signed this bill, right? And to the frustration of everybody. And then they come out on the, the news conference just a couple of days ago and talking about how great it is that they've given 2 million meals. They've uh, uh, slotted 4,000 um, uh, basically childcare units or whatever it is. And I'm like, okay, that all sounds good. But once again, sex ed, first of all, comprehensive from kindergarten to graduation uh, meals and those are things that are nice to do. 
you know, or whatever, and a proper framework with parents' involvement. But what about the actual education, the money that we're paying for, about getting our kids a really competitive education where they're actually graduating and they're being competitive in the, in the job market or college market? Um, any hope of, of sort of the focus being back on education in the future? Oh, absolutely. I mean, testing numbers really need to increase. We need to see those increases. And so, and to be, and you, you mentioned something really important, competitiveness. We're talking competitive on a global scale. I mean, we really need to look at how our children are learning in the state of Washington and really give them the opportunities to do anything they want to do. Um, but it's not just what they learn, it's how they learn. Really, how are we teaching our children to find the answer? Because you don't always have the answers in life, but having the ability to sit down and and digest information and, and have you know cognitive reasoning when it comes to these problem solving techniques. So it's really important that we look at, are we getting the bang for our buck and are we getting the increase in the test numbers? And, and that's really important. But right now, having this catastrophic incident, it really takes it back and it puts it back on the families. Um, I mean, that's occurring in everybody's mm -hmm. home right now. Well, well how are we going to teach our children? How are we going to apply this? Um, I had the benefit of being in public school, but also homeschooled for a short time. Um, and so I, I had both ways growing up and I've also homeschooled my children and had them in public school before, mm -hmm. prior to this situation. So understanding the different aspects of education um, has been beneficial on my side, but is, it can be shocking and scary for everyone else. It's amazing when we're thinking about that right now, we're depending on those in the front lines of healthcare now while we're at home. Those are essential services. Those that we can argue about that, what is essential or not, if you're a different government, but still you're out there. But people that have these specific skills, and it reminds me in education, we have a real desperate need for skill sets that we don't have. The $7 million, $7 million worker shortage in the trades. You know, we have these things where we have a, a preponderance of push towards college, which is all good. But there should be some kind of tie in to kids saying, here's what's available out there. I mean, when you make your choice about what you want to do, this is the, the career path, the opportunities, the what you'll make for a living for crying out loud. Right. Uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, career technical education. Um, I've had that amendment years and years and years, um, making sure that they see that this is basic education, reading a tape measure, uh, being able to understand what uh, building basic mathematics, really looking and touching things with your hands. That's so important when we talk about how kids learn is having that hands on. And some schools that have the financial ability can bring that in. And I, and I have some schools in my district that are really focusing on uh, uh, career-centered education, making sure kids have tape measured at, at a young age. They have power yeah. tools. They can really work on things that they want to work on while applying math and English. And, and so they're getting those skills early. But there's some schools that, one, don't have the financial means, but also it's not a part of the basic education curriculum that they're able to do at that time or a priority. And so we really need to look at that. I mean, having a future employment uh, is your future. So understanding what that ability is. All right. On so that well, note, at least, at least they're yeah. going to be able to, you know, know how to do sex, though. That'll be good. Uh, right. At an early age or that. Uh, right, that shocked and, me. <laughs> and, but I mean, that's kind of what this whole thing was about. Right. I mean, it's like, really, I mean, how hard is it to prevent abuse? We'd say, you know, this is your private parts. No one touches you there. If they do, you know, we, we take action. Tell them adults, thing, right. Man. But, but this other LGBTQ agenda stuff, uh, it bothers me. I'm a parent. I have lots and lots of kids. 
I'm the one up. good thing about this shutdown too is making us all evaluate, right? Where we're at now as far as homeschooling, um, private school, public school, the fact that now we have them in our care again and saying, all right, what really is important? This is coming down the pike and it's been kind of not delayed, but they're not on them yet as they just try to figure out what happens next. You mentioned cost for education. Was, uh, literally, the Democrat left, the majority for the last several years, have been spending money like drunken sailors. I mean, literally, and raising taxes left and right. I mean, billions of dollars of, of new taxes, new budget. Now that we have this crisis, that where everything is literally shut down, we're not going to have the resources or the revenue that they you expected. Um, how do you see us turning this around obviously is it budget cuts is it is it more taxes do you know well i mean when yeah. we talk about recession this is not just a recession i mean i really need to preface we have unemployment numbers greater than the great depression i, mm. I just i mean explaining homeschooling or explaining what we're teaching at my house i mean i'm talking about the, the economics of what this will do in the future um really we're going to be reaching i'm afraid of at a depression and when you talk about that you can't spend your way out of that and then and we know um and you know even economists will tell you and we have an 18 percent growth in the state budget just in the last couple of years that was unsustainable we said it was unsustainable and now you can't tax your way out of that so you're really having a difficulty right now on, on how we're going to move forward. And it's so important that we talk about employment, employment, we'll be employment. Back after the break, this is Doug Masler and Marty McClendon, Doug and Marty versus the world. For our government to work the way it was intended, citizens from all walks of life must volunteer to run for elected offices. But how do you begin? EasyPoliticalCampaigns.com can help. You'll receive expert help to navigate your campaign and communicate your message. From candidate filing to voters' pamphlet statements, fundraising, and social media, you'll find what you need to run an effective and affordable campaign. EasyPoliticalCampaigns.com. The road to victory starts here. This is Claire. Claire has a great business, and she wanted to advertise on YouTube, but she didn't know how. It was all so confusing. Setting up an account, choosing keywords and demographics, and she didn't know how to make a video. <gasps> then Claire discovered the secret to great YouTube ads. The experts at EasyYouTubeAds.com took care of all the details, from account setup and management to producing her video ads. Now Claire's friends all want to know how she got so smart. EasyYouTubeAds.com. No experience necessary. Two bells, and we are back. This is Doug and Marty versus the world. My name's Doug Bassler. And my name's Marty McClendon. Welcome back to the show. We appreciate you tuning in on live, and of course, across the state, Eastern Washington. What a great day. I mean, I'm telling it's a great it's day anyway. It's been a great, it's, you know, weather-wise, it's been good. I yes. heard that sunshine kills COVID-19, so... Well, it kills viruses, yeah. Went out. Yeah, it kills viruses. Well, viruses are viruses, you know. There we go, right? They are manufactured in Sunshine is good for a lot of things. Vitamin D, but it's also good for killing viruses. Get outside, right? It's a good disinfectant. There we go. Sunshine, they used to say? Sunshine makes a great disinfectant. I'm turning the light off. It's like I was... Uh, too, too bright for you. That's right. And our very special guest, Rep Representative Jacqueline Maycumber from the 7th District, the yes. floor leader for Republicans. We were grilling her about how do we turn this around? Like she has all the answers, but I know that she's fighting for it. Seventh you know, District, because that's over there in Eastern Washington. Give me Washington. A, full, a full minute, though. To oh, I know, right? To <laughs> solve it like that. But 
continue because you I know this is you don't have all the answers. The state in one minute, then why did we elect you? Well, we didn't. There we go, right? But it's it's a, it's in the minority. You know what they're going to try to do in the first place. I'm they the majority is going to try to say, well, we have to tax it, and we know we can't do that. We've you know we have an economy that needs to be revved up, and like you said at the end of the last segment was jobs, jobs, jobs. You know no, we no have problem. the business. We have, a, we have a rainy day fund just for <laughs> just for stuff like this. We would never raid that unless there was an emergency, right? This is, like I said before, this isn't a recession. I'm afraid we're going to be entering a depression. When you, you tackle an emergency situation uh, with the most important things. You take care of your most vulnerable, you cut spending, you cut anything excessive that you don't need, and you start to move forward and you build up jobs and you build. I, up- I personally don't need a light rail system. Can we cut that? Well, we already know what the $30 car tabs came out to be to vote it. I mean, you didn't know what majority of people believe. They believe they need that, you know, to cut spending. They need to cut the taxes. I mean, majority of the state of Washington agrees on that. What would be, I know that I'm not putting you on the spot here, but there's, there's so many things and understanding that what will get us out of this is the recovery part of it was people working, people buying things, people spending money. And we have the small businesses, the big business, we have monster businesses here that really, you know, are taking advantage of some of the federal programs they passed about keeping employees on. Um, It's going to take time. And so, I mean, there's got to be a way to, to stimulate that. Is there a way to, you know, give them a break on being no tax or give them a break on something just to, to get them back on their feet? Any thoughts? Oh, well, right now, I, I've really been working with uh, Kathy McMorris Rogers, a congresswoman, um, other federal staff. The SBA small business loans are very important, but those also have strings. When you talk about the different stimulus pack- packages that have come out on the federal level, you have to continue to keep people on payroll to get some of those loans uh, paid back. I mean, there's a lot of different things that are happening. But when you talk about larger to small, the, the basis of your economy is your small businessmen, your mm-hmm. families that work in generations businesses, the entrepreneur that came up with an idea and that's starting something and th- those employees, that's really your basis for your tax structure as you move forward in the state of Washington. And so understanding that we have to make sure that they're able to build themselves back up because you cannot um, uh, put a burden of months of without profits onto them and then have them take employees on and then continue the process. There is going to have to be a break to be able to build them back up. Because that is the basis of your economy as you move forward. So, uh, Doug, I was. Do you think, Jacqueline, that it would help Washington State if we elected more Republicans? Do you think that's something (laughs) that we should maybe do? Yes. I mean, Republicans are fiscally. Marty, don't don't give her the answer. Let her. Fiscal conservatives work very well in recessions. We don't spend a lot of money. We were good in prosperity, too. Well, the great thing about it is if you have to basically every dollar should have a home and is it doing what it's supposed to do? There should be some kind of balancing. Like, is it doing what it's intended to do? And is it important right now? What's the priorities of government? What is the most important thing to be done? You know, and so there needs to be that sense, like Doug, and he's tongue in cheek, but he's right. We need to have the majority back as Republicans to get anything physically responsible in the state, hopefully. But I will say this. I was watching the five today virtually, you know, how it goes on um, Fox News. They mentioned Washington State and how working and he was goofing off. 
Well, no, they said, yeah, I was. Yeah, but they, they said they gave credit to Washington State for having early action to stay home, stay healthy, and how it's blended the curve. And it was interesting to see Washington in a positive light. Um, is Have we done enough? Did we do too much? You know, it, you know it's, we're worried about, about this lasting into the summer, which is scary. What do you think? Uh, well, I have actually my degree in biochemistry and infectious diseases. So this right from the beginning, there's major concerns. It's a health and economy and uh, you have to take care of life or death. Right. I mean, instantly we, we, we came together as a state and we've done an amazing job, but now when you talk about the economy, you have to be able to recover and recover quickly because that will also affect the health of people in the state of Washington. Uh, economic health is just as important as you move forward. So we really need to start working on our uh, economic plan as we've really slowed down death rates, slowed down infection rates. We've done a great job. Everybody is working together. Now we need to move forward. What are the next steps? Just as you had stated, what are the next steps? Lessening that tax burden on the small businesses, um, cutting, cutting spending, which really needs to occur. What are we getting for our dollar, every single dollar, and then move forward for all the people in the state of Washington so we can all quickly recover from this. Yeah, I couldn't agree I'm, more. I'm down with that. I, I don't think I want to be uh, hole up here through the summer. I mean, my yard's nice, but it's not that nice. So um, people running for office and and filing weeks coming up here in about a month and uh and you can file online you don't have to go to Olympia to do it how did you get involved in running and being a politician well i had served the seventh district for eight years under representative short um when she was now senator short uh being the legislative assistant and being behind the scenes and taking those calls uh during the 08 recession from people who could not continue to make their house payment, who had worked their whole lives in the in the timber industry and specifically our district or mining and woke up and it was gone. And there was nowhere else for them to work. I mean, it was just loving the community that had given me my future. I mean, I was raised in this community and I wanted to give back. And so I served in that capacity. Uh, Hearst came down. Uh, I had worked in a little bit of water law and understanding our CWs when it comes to water and my husband and I had promised I would never be involved in politics <laughs> for many years. And uh, we just felt that I was called to do it at the same time, which is very helpful when you, when you have those conversations with your spouse and, and you come together as a family. And um, in 2017, the appointment, the position was opened and uh, we, we made the decision together that the best thing it was to continue to serve my community in just a different way. And we're very happy you did. But it's one of those lessons that we all have to learn. Never say never. It's oftentimes when you say, I'll never do that. And God goes, oh, really? All right. So, so many people plans, are, you know, never tell the Lord what you think you're going to do. So many people have said that, you know, I wasn't going to do it and then did it. And they've been turned out to be really great at it. It's, it's, you know, it's a job, but it's supposed to be done by regular people, right? Well, and I think there's a love. Um, I mean, it hurts. It hurts to be afraid for your community. And it, it hurts when you know that people are out of work and can't get the things they need and may not have food and a job and their house. And um, if you feel it, it's part of you and your heart. And um, if you've been raised somewhere and you love people and you love your community, I mean, I'll do anything. The seventh district, that's, that's who raised us. That's who's helping raise my children. We're part of this community. And um, 
they're, they come first. And so making sure that they have the ability to, to be the best they can be and the next generation. I mean, it's not just us. Our kids should have every opportunity to be the best they can be. And so we, we have to make sure we fight to continue to move forward. We need to be talking generational and thank you for doing that. And Doug and I always encourage our listeners that they're called. We believe that they're made for a purpose, that they're unique, that they have unique talents and skills and experiences that they can bring to the table wherever they're at in their community and to serve their community. Because when it's outward focused, we get so much more out of it, right? We're better together. And so I'm glad you answered the call there. And so I heard a rumor today before the show that um, Inslee could call back for a special session. What does that look like? Does he have the, it's like, okay, time to come back and you come back for a certain amount of time and you deal with whatever. You know, I, to be honest at this point, I do not know. I've heard certain things that we may do it like this. It'll be like a zoom and our votes would go through that way. And a lot of phone conferences on negotiations, whatever that may look like. Um, There may have to be agreements as we move forward. Uh, So there's certain things that were suspended. You can suspend certain policies or certain laws, but you can't do it for very long. Uh, Your state of emergency, you can you have a state of emergency, but how you apply the state of emergency needs to make sure that you review that with the legislature. So there's certain policies. They're very very nuanced. They're difficult to fully understand. Um, we can suspend things for, he can do something in the executive position, but there's going to be a point when he's going to need to come back and say, you know, what does this look like? And really we need to be having the conversations today. And I know some people are, um, in the Republican house, Republican caucus, we're looking at plans. What would be the best things from point A to point B to get us kickstarted going again quickly, um, without a lot of damage to the economy and to our families. Well, and I think it's by statute, 30 days. You have to have some kind of legislative agreement, right, for the governor's uh, emergency declaration, especially as, as, you know, severe as this one is, where we're closing schools, businesses, et cetera. So there has to be um, some uh, coordination with the legislature. So yeah, we- I, know, I know that if you don't call a special session, it could just be the, the legislative um, leaders. So that would be the minority leader, the majority leader of each branch. But I think in a, in a situation like this, we, we need a special session. I, I feel like we need you guys in there to, to, to debate this and talk about this. This is, uh, this is serious stuff. And really understanding where we are next week when you talk about the reason we're having this is healthcare. One, health, survival, two, economic survival. Two very important things. So now where are we? Where are we on the data? What is the data showing? And that's really important to have that review. So you're not just a projection and a forecast. What's really occurring in the health? Yeah. And then if we're going to spend money, let's let's keep it singularly focused to actually getting people better and back to work, right? Versus um, what we see at the national level where, hey, now we have a chance to spend money on all kinds of stuff that don't relate, doesn't relate to healthcare. Absolutely. I mean, you talk about you take care of your most vulnerable, you move forward and help everyone move forward to get up and get back to where we were. I mean, this is sometimes it's removing policies. Sometimes it's suspending certain things and looking at restrictions and pulling them away. People are able to flourish on their own and their entrepreneurs like, hey, I got I already have my business. Just free market is best. Get out Our of guest my- today has been Jacqueline Maycumber. She's from the 7th District. You can support her campaign for re-election go to votemaycumber.com right yes absolutely thank you thanks for being on the show we'll be right back after this break 
When you want to take your business to the next level, nothing drives traffic and increases sales like TV advertising. And EasyTVSpots.com is your best choice for high quality, effective TV ads. Contact us today to learn how easy it is to reach thousands of your ideal prospects with targeted, addressable TV. Grow your sales, revenue, and profit the easy way with EasyTVSpots.com. Broadcast, cable, and online TV made easy. This is Claire. Claire has a great business, and she wanted to advertise on YouTube, but she didn't know how. It was all so confusing. Setting up an account, choosing keywords and demographics, and she didn't know how to make a video. <sighs> then Claire discovered the secret to great YouTube ads. The experts at EasyYouTubeAds.com took care of all the details, from account setup and management to producing her video ads. Now Claire's friends all want to know how she got so smart. EasyYouTubeAds.com. No experience necessary. For our government to work the way it was intended, citizens from all walks of life must volunteer to run for elected offices. But how do you begin? EasyPoliticalCampaigns.com can help. You'll receive expert help to navigate your campaign and communicate your message. From candidate filing to voters' pamphlet statements, fundraising, and social media, you'll find what you need to run an effective and affordable campaign. EasyPoliticalCampaigns.com. The road to victory starts here. bells and all is well uh doug and marty versus the world this is doug bassler and marty mcclendon welcome back to the show so doug are you ha having a painful week this is what <laughs> the ter terms i was told today was this going to be a painful week and the clerk talking about covid19 there's a uh, 380,000 cases nationwide apparently 12,000 at the death toll so far, but they're talking about now, now how do we open the, the economy, right? We talked with our former guest, Jacqueline Maycomber about opening Washington's economy, but I know how to do it. Yes. I know how to open the economy. How's you that? just walk over and turn the sign around. Open, turn it open for business, right? Open. Okay. Just open the restaurants, open the stores, open, you know, the bars, open the churches. Please. Yeah, we didn't get a chance to talk about it, but today, Thursday, Oliver. the 7th, and all of our bargain again, $250 billion grants added to, so businesses that want to keep employees get a grant. Hey, Grants buddy. different than a loan. Grants oh, are I like- need, I need that money. Free money, I know. Come on. $250 billion. Can you- well, Yeah, and you're going to hire the- There we go. Yeah, I'll be good. <laughs> you're the one Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, open it up. Let's let's let the economy do it. I, I don't you know, this is what socialism looks like. What we've been seeing is what socialism looks like. This is government control. You do this. You do that. That's totalitarian. It's limited supplies. It's, you know, nobody gets to work. You get to live on what we say you have. And, you know, my wife gets so upset. She she said there was you know, friends that we know that are teachers, they're sitting at home and they're like, you are so selfish. Why do you want to go back to work and whatever? And she's like, they're sitting at home getting a paycheck. They're not at school teaching the kids. They're still getting paid. We're not getting paid. They have no right. Okay. To talk to us. So I, she got it. She got hot. Now I'm hot. But anyway, I wanted to, I wanted to ask my good friend, uh, Dave Bryant, uh, he has run for office a couple times. He ran for Senate. He ran for a port commission down in uh, Pierce County. But uh, what a, a lot of people don't know about Dave Bryant is he actually commanded an air, a supercarrier, an aircraft carrier, 
And Marty, you'll never guess which one. See it's, the, it's the Theodore Roosevelt. Roosevelt, that's right. The Theodore Roosevelt, and that's the one that was in the news. So I called Dave earlier this week, and he called me back today, and he said, "I got your voicemail," and I'm like, "What did you think about this guy on the Theodore Roosevelt? He got removed as the captain of of the ship. He, there, you know, a lot of stuff was on. But mm-hmm. what are the chances? The only guy I know, and I, I don't know a lot of people that have commanded an aircraft carrier. I just happen to know this one." Guys, it's got to hey. be a small group of people. I mean, there's a small <laughs> select group. I'm just saying. There's only 10 of those babies. <laughs> and and uh, how long does a captain uh, serve, Dave? Three years. Three years. So there's a small, it's a small group. You guys are a tight, cl- tight club, right? Right, right. There's a lot of training and preparation uh, before they, they give you the keys to a nuclear aircraft carrier. Yeah, I can fully imagine that. So on this, too, I'm looking at this. My dad is Navy. I have great respect for our, our military, our active duty people. I had no clue. I'm like, OK, I don't know. You know, there was arguments on both sides of what's going on, what he did and during the uh, getting them off. So tell us what, what 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 is the right thing to do? And what's it You know, why was this such a big deal? Captain of an aircraft carrier. And how- well, let me give let me give a little perspective. Now, first, you know, as as you were just talking about, um, well, um, let me back up a little bit. It's been 19 years since I left the Theodore Roosevelt, uh, quite a while. But I spent uh, half my adult life flying on and off aircraft carriers and, and had the honor to command the Theodore Roosevelt back from 1998 through 2001. Left there just about exactly 19 years ago. The Navy really has not changed that much. Uh, there's actually, I think, two fewer aircraft carriers now than there was 19 years ago. Uh, but, but they are, as they were then, a huge national asset, a huge part of our military force. And, and most people don't realize that. We are the only country in the world that really has a aircraft carriers like the Theodore Roosevelt like the other 10 nuclear aircraft carriers that can take launch, catapult off and recover over 100 aircraft a day, do that day after day after day, months on end, supporting the military force out at sea. And, and it takes an incredibly well-trained group of pilots, great airplanes, great people that run everything on the ship that allow them to work, great mechanical systems on board the ship that all have to be working and all working together to do things safely and and routinely. An aircraft carrier will go out six or more months with over 5,000 people and not have a single person get a single injury. And if you've ever seen the supersonic aircraft launching off the aircraft carrier, coming back smashing into the deck, land, landing in the arresting gear. Uh, every single one looks like an accident ready to happen, but they are done tremendously professionally. And again, we are the only country in the world that comes anywhere close to being able to do it. Now, Other Dave, aircraft- you um, told me once that you cannot be an aircraft carrier captain unless you're a pilot. Right. That is correct. So you were a pilot. You were a squadron leader. You moved up through the ranks. To, in order to take right. the command of that ship. Right. So, so, I flew so your perspective is, you know what it's like to smash one of those planes onto the deck. 
to, to right. shoot off, to go off like a, you know, I mean, a dragster has nothing on you guys, right? Right. So it, so it is. And the, the people that get selected for it and, and the training, as I mentioned before, it's actually after being commanding officer of, of a fighter squadron, it is about six years of training, uh, including being in command of another large ship before you're allowed to take over and be uh, commanding officer of an aircraft carrier. They don't want anyone that is not able to do the job for one and two that isn't suited to be able to take over that job because it is an incredibly stressful uh, job. I mentioned that to you earlier, Doug. When you're out at sea on a deployed aircraft carrier, flight ops are usually over 12 hours a day, and then all the other things that happen the rest of the time, including a big ship that's transiting across the ocean, and everyone expects the captain of the ship to be there in control 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So it's an incredible amount of stress and pressure, and everybody handles stress and pressure differently, but the training and the expectations from senior leadership when you're put in that position is that you handle things right and you handle the stress and you treat your crew right and do everything else. Every single aircraft carrier uh, captain right now cares 100% for the safety of their crew. That's the, the only way you manage to have 5,000 plus people doing all those operations uh, deployed without having injury. So, uh, so it is nothing new or different to say that a captain places his crew and the safety of his crew uh, number one. Uh, another thing that is very, very important. Dave, on, on, on here. And so uh, with that many people and things running by, by the book, I'm sure they drill on everything has, has, we have with the Navy or the military or any of these ships ever seen something like a virus come sweeping through where their protocols are in place. You've got to have something, some kind of protocol, right? Yes. There's isolation capability. There's a full, uh, small hospital on board, uh, as well as dental facility. And there's, there's ways to take care of those things. And, and, and of course that's one of the other things, the average age, for those 5,000 plus people is under 20 years old. And no one is allowed to deploy on those ships without having perfect health. No one is going out there with emphysema or arthritis or, or any of the other you know, problems that make an illness worse. Um, but again, taking care of the people is the most important thing that the captain of every ship does. Mm-hmm. A so lot the thing of your, that, one of the things I was, uh, you know, taken with the reason I wanted to have you come on and talk about this is just the 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 lifestyle of a captain. And, you know, a lot of people he's been, um, you know, kind of crucified in the press, this guy that was removed as captain of the ship. But your, your perspective was a, a, a little more kind toward him. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, Again, as I as I mentioned, it is a 24-hour-a-day job, and you can imagine the normal stress of flight ops out at sea. He'd been out at sea for a few weeks. This virus starts taking over. So so he's probably been three weeks taking cat naps, running the, the incredible complex operation to begin with, and keeping everybody safe 
And now this extra stress is put on of one, people catching the disease and probably even more the worry and the fear that, you know, of each of those individuals that they're going to get infected and go through the, the whole route to losing lung capability and dying. And that obviously is something that, that preys very hard on the, the heart and the mind and the soul of the captain who's 100% responsible for it. So uh, one of the things I do want to emphasize, though, and again, your audience probably does not realize that, that the captain of a deployed aircraft carrier has, has everyone's ear. There is not someone that says, Captain, don't say anything. The organizations all the way up, Sync Pack Fleet, Commander-in-Chief Pacific Fleet, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, Chairman of Naval Operations, all of them, their job is to take care of the things that are not going right. So it's not any of those people that are out there going, don't tell me any bad news. Their whole job is to hear the bad news and take care of the bad news. And the number one thing that an aircraft carrier CEO should never do is to hide bad news. That is the worst possible thing for any of the organizations. And, and that is the kind of thing that would get a commanding officer of any organization in the military fired is hiding bad news. Well, you want to assess the situation. You want to be honest and critical. Say, what do we need? Here's where we're at. Well, how do we fix it? Let's get back on their way. This is, this is literally um, our major uh, military cap um, capability. So that's cool. It's the way we, we protect our military. Our guest is Dave Bryant. Dave, can you hang around? We'll have you come back after the commercial. That sure works. Well. Great. Well, this is Doug Bassler. And Marty McClendon, Doug and Marty versus the world. Be right back. This is Claire. Claire has a great business and she wanted to advertise on YouTube, but she didn't know how. It was all so confusing. Setting up an account, choosing keywords and demographics, and she didn't know how to make a video. <gasps> then Claire discovered the secret to great YouTube ads. The experts at EasyYouTubeAds.com took care of all the details from account setup and management to producing her video ads. Now Claire's friends all want to know how she got so smart. EasyYouTubeAds.com. No experience necessary. For our government to work the way it was intended, citizens from all walks of life must volunteer to run for elected offices. But how do you begin? EasyPoliticalCampaigns.com can help. You'll receive expert help to navigate your campaign and communicate your message. From candidate filing to voters' pamphlet statements, fundraising, and social media, you'll find what you need to run an effective and affordable campaign. EasyPoliticalCampaigns.com. The road to victory starts here. Well, there it is, the saddest sound in radio, four bells, the final round, Doug and Marty versus the world. My name is Doug Bassler. And my name is Marty McClendon. Welcome back. We appreciate you. We're praying for you. And we are enjoying our time at home as best we possibly can. But we want to make sure that you're staying hopeful, staying positive. Can I come over right to your house? Can I just there go. hang out with you and Oliver? Maybe we could... <clears throat> go on the trampoline or something. I don't know. There we go. My daughter now, my middle, my youngest child, my 16-year-old is doing backflips. 
Uh, they're called a tuck, apparently. So I, I want to see you do that. <laughs> no, you would have to pay big dollars for me to do a backflip. I, I'd be doing the show alone for at least six weeks. If I break my neck. So anyway, <laughs> I just can't imagine you doing a backflip. I oh, my pay gosh. Money, though. I would pay money. Our guest by way of Zoom a conference call. Actually, we're still on Facebook Live on Tuesday, April 7th is Dave Bryant. Dave Bryant is a former uh, candidate for Senate here in Washington State. He also ran for a port commission down in Pierce County, which is a Tacoma port commission, I'm assuming. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. But Dave Bryant also uh, is a military veteran, and uh, he worked his way up through the, the ranks. He's a pilot. He uh, uh, commanded a, a fighter squadron, and then he became the captain of the Theodore Roosevelt. Yes, the same Theodore or Roosevelt uh, aircraft carrier that's been in the news this week. Dave, thanks for coming to the show. And his code name was Maverick, right? Right, Dave? (laughs) (laughs) You know who sent me the first uh, trailer for the new Top Gun movie? Dave Bryant. He was like, oh, Top Gun, man. He was all excited. So what was your code name, Dave? Uh, Mine was Anwar, as in Anwar Sadat. All right. Going into the seventies when I first started flying, uh, obviously he was uh, a hot topic internationally. Nice. So, and a lot of people thought I looked like I'm worse than I. Yeah, you kind of do, uh, except you're alive. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we were talking before the break about you know just the the absolute stress that is on an aircraft carrier pilot. You, I think you were mentioning that you know you're talking about really 24 hours a day you get a nap maybe an hour something like that and and who knows how many of those you get in a night maybe four three and then you're you're back on you have to be on all the time i imagine right. you know, people, i imagine people from you know dc want answers right now and you gotta you know wake the captain up and find out what's going on or whatever yes and 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 again i i'm sure i'm i don't mean ever to second guess his decisions and how things were done. Um, but, but in the situation, I think everybody should realize that, that, uh, that this was not him isolated and no one else involved. Uh, there were probably uh, senior people in every organization up the chain of command up through the acting secretary of the Navy that were calling or having their chief of staff call him to provide suggestions, help, Who's doing what? Who do we call to to do more? And uh, and probably expecting him to be on call, even though it's twelve hours away, one o'clock in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, uh, to respond immediately to their questions and requests, and, and adding to that stress of trying to take care of the people, which I'm sure there were in, in a crew of over five thousand people. I'm sure there were quite a number that were in a panic about the virus and being in an enclosed environment. So on that note, as a captain of this aircraft carrier with 5,000 people, how much of the world are they up to date with? I mean, the intel, I mean, of what's going on on TV and the the COVID virus and that kind of stuff. Are Are the sailors there hearing this like we are, like, all the time, or are they hearing bits and, and pieces and, and wanting to know more information? Are they cut up, set apart, or are they in the know, so to speak? They're really plugged into everything. There's live 
CNN, Fox, you know, everything playing on the TV, coming through the, uh, the satellite feeds onto the, uh, the ships. That is different from when I started flying back in the 70s. You really were cut off from most news feeds. Uh, nowadays, you get live TV um, for everything. So, so everyone does stay plugged in. That would probably make it harder in my in my book. If you're trying to uh, control the situation, calm things down, say we have so many people, we're going to isolate them and take care of them. We're good. And then you hear the news 24-7 saying how this is spreading. We're going to have 100,000 people dying. And we're going to have or 2 million people. That's got to be really hard to say, no, no, don't listen to that, right? That's that, that's, you know, propaganda or whatever. And, you know, now they're getting and every day the story changes. So I'm assuming they're dealing with that as well. And so as a commander, as a captain, you know, how do you uh, communicate what's really going on to, uh, to everybody, but also maintain sort of like a discipline, right? This is what we're going to do. Right. And, and the other aspect is the families at home. Uh, every single person on board is sending emails. Um, you know, those are usually screened for classified materials, but, but there's routine communications back and forth, including phone calls, uh, even while deployed out in the middle of the ocean. And so, uh, so that brings in the other complication that now a spouse at home with little kids, you know, is concerned about their husband or wife on board and being exposed and are they going to die and and all those other worries that they are now getting that feedback from home so uh so there's a lot of a lot of stress in that type of situation well what are you we're a, mostly a christian audience on the eastern on the radio show and then of course our, our facebook thing here but you know definitely another reason why it's important to pray for those in harm's way pray for those that are serving our country pray for those and their families that are home that are worrying about those that are underway that that sometimes are cut off um and then when they're in, in basically a box a huge giant metal box you know but with, with they can't social distance enough in a sense uh, i'm sure that's got to be really stressful for them so definitely pray for peace and pray for healing right Doug? You know, i just want to mention uh real quick marty uh normally in our east side republican club meetings we have lois gustison uh comes mm -hmm. up and she makes a presentation but she she sends uh care packages to troops and uh deployed around the world and uh since we're doing our facebook live tonight i just want to give a shout out and say that you know even though we can't meet in person you can still donate to lois gustison's uh project where she's boxing up food and different uh, materials that our servicemen and women want and uh, you just simply go to the eastside republican club.org eastside republican club.org and uh there's a uh, uh some uh links in there that you can hit uh, that'll take you to where you can give us money using your credit card. And then you can say, Hey, I want this to go to Lois. So, you know, five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever. Um, since we can't meet, we normally, you know, we raise a few hundred bucks, mm -hmm. right, Marty. And, and so just want to encourage you if you're watching by Facebook live, or if you're watching the replay, or if you're listening to this on the radio and you want to do something really tangible to help our, our deployed uh, servicemen and women uh, go to Eastside Republican club.org and click on the donate uh, links there. And, uh, you know, we'll make sure that Lois gets that money. And, uh, and uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff that our servicemen and women appreciate, right, Dave? Oh, yes, very, very much so. You know, as, 
as simple as this to get a little box of cookies or or some little notes from uh, from kids. It, it is incredibly uh, well received. You can imagine how how lonely it can be, isolated from your family and loved ones for for months at a time. Okay, I'm a, um, Dave. As as a former candidate, former captain of the aircraft carrier, national politics, local politics as well. And there's this move now in the, in the midst of COVID-19 coronavirus, they're talking about a national sort of uh, vote by mail. I know our military has been doing vote by mail for years. We know in our state, we have vote by mail here. And um, Donald Trump said, hey, it's ripe for fraud and abuse when you do, uh, especially if you combine it like California does with this ballot harvesting where they basically go to your door and pick up your ballot. You know, it, it's like one of those things what do you see? I mean, it's not going to happen this year. Do you see nationally a vote by mail thing coming? Dave? Well, you know, go, going back a couple years ago, um, my feeling in general was this is a great way to make things easy to encourage people to vote. Uh, here over the last couple of years, running for office and very other things, my position is honestly completely changed. You know, I see that by doing this vote by mail and making it easy, people just ignore that there's an election going on. You know, walking around doorbelling this last November, just about every single door I went to, people said, oh, is there an election going on? And and I think that's a, a, a problem. You know, we used to, when you had to physically go there, there were announcements in the newspaper, where to go, you know, signs everywhere, everything in the TV, on the radio, everything that tomorrow's the day you have to get in and vote. When it is sort of a three week period, anytime, all of that advertising and getting the word out gets diffused enough that people don't even realize it's happening. So, I, I, so I don't I think agree. Getting, yeah, I don't think we're getting any more people voting by making it easier. Well, in our stage, you know, we have we have same day registration. We have um, automatic registration when you get your driver's license. We have, you know, basically you can get, change your ballot if you need to go to, to the, this thing. You now you can mail it in. You have all this time to vote. And you're right. The numbers aren't up. They're actually probably down in many elections. Um, we, the reason I brought it up is because Nancy Pelosi is pushing this national vote by mail type thing and, and ballot harvesting. And we saw and it may be because there's people moving into California. There's, there's more immigration. There's whatever. But literally, um, there was like seven congressional districts that used to be Republican are now all Democrat in California after they went to vote by mail and, and ballot harvesting. They're cheating. So, they're cheating. Well, it, 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 it's open you know, to was, that, right? I was in this uh, lawsuit, you know, with a few Republicans and a few Democrats. We got together and did a lot of research. And I'll tell you, the easiest elections to hack are the, the absentee ballots. That's where they always that's where it comes in. And now you've got basically the entire population of the state of Washington as an absentee ballot. And what's happening here is the Democrats more and more and more. I mean, I don't say that there's no Republicans out there that cheat, but it's just typically not in the Christian conservative or the conservative mindset to cheat. It's like we take, you know, let's pay fair play. That's part of what we do. But uh, yeah, I think vote by mail. I, I agree with Dave. I, I don't, I don't like it. I think it should, I think it should go away. I think we go back to polling places, ID, check people's ID. It's just too much 
fraud. I mean, I've heard about people going to rest homes, right? Mm. Just picking up everybody's ballots. Right. It's called ballot harvesting. It's what they're doing. It's like, here, give me your ballots here. It will will fill them out or even pick them up for you. Then it may not get there or not. This is important. But the the guys that we've seen us in our state and nationally, they're using COVID-19, the pandemic, the emergency, whatever it may be. To really remove, you know, it's like, oh, we have to do this in virtually now. Oh, we have to do mail, vote by mail. Oh, you, know, you don't have your constitutional rights to carry out weapon or be out in public or make choices. That's scary, don't you think, Dave? Yes, yes, very much so. And, yeah. and honestly, you know, when, when I see people standing in line voting, you know, that what you, what you see on the TV, whether it's in... Dave, United I got to cut you off. We'll finish on Facebook here. We're running out of time, but if you're uh, watching my Facebook, hang on. We're going to talk some more. But that's it for the radio. Oh, this is Doug Bassler. And Marty McClendon, Doug and Marty versus the world. We'll see you next week. See you next time. Yeah.